Hello, pet people. I am here today with Ann Carlson of Jiminy's Sustainable and Humane Dog Food. For those of us that are a little older and know what Jiminy Crickets <laughs> was all about, Jiminy is a cricket-based dog food. So, Ann, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Taz. Thank you so much for coming. I always like new and innovative products, and I really want the public to get to know what it's all about from the maker's um, perspective, as opposed to what opinions are being put out there. So since you are the creator and the maker of Jiminy's, if you could touch on how you got into cricket protein dog food. Tell me <laughs> how it all started. Well, I mean, it, it goes kind of far back. I, um, I've been in consumer packaged goods basically my whole career. I, I started in consulting, uh, went into industry, worked for, I've actually worked in a lot of different categories. Um, but I've got to say my two favorite categories are alcohol beverage, self-explanatory, and pet. <laughs> So um, they're just both incredibly awesome uh, categories. And I was most recently at Del Monte, which of course rebranded as Big Heart Pet, and then we were acquired by Smucker. Well, um, I left after the Smucker acquisition and was taking a step back and deciding what I really wanted to do with myself. And uh, my daughter is um, a millennial, uh, and we were talking. And she, we were basically talking about whether or not she might want to have kids. And she said, she said, I'm not sure. I don't know if the, this world is going to be the type of place that I want to bring them into. I don't know if there's going to be enough food. I think that there's going to be a lot of problems because of climate change. And um, I decided right then and there that whatever I did had to combat climate change. And th that's kind of the beginning. <laughs> Wow. So, yeah. So, it, you know, I, and I was considering, you know, do I do something for people? Do I do something for pets? And as I was thinking about all of that, I got approached to lead a, um, a pet treats company. They were thinking of doing something with grass fed beef and, you know, framing it up as sustainable. And I said, you know, I, I like this idea of sustainability and pet. There's really not enough of it. And, but I got to tell you, Cows are not the answer. Cows are never going to be the answer. <laughs> and so, um, well, tell, me why, was, tell me why cows are not going to be the answer. Oh, well, just, you know, thinking about how much resource they consume for the amount of protein that we're getting out of them. Um, and it's, it's really, it's quite terrible as well. If you've ever seen one of these big ranches, oh, it's, it's awful. They live less than 10% of their natural life, um, and they're emitting uh, not only, you know, their gases from both ends, they're, they're, they're belching, they're farting, uh, their waste uh, is problematic as well. There's a huge amount of waste, and it's actually getting into waterways. Um, so it's just, it's, it's probably the worst solution that you could have. So um, I did look at other protein sources. Is that true for um, even the, and I know the answer, but I'm going to ask, is that also true for the grass-fed uh, free-range cows? Well, of course it's better. You know, 
it's, it's always better when you're doing something free range with more space. Um, but it's still an, an animal that it, it utilizes a lot of resource and uh, you really just can't get around that. Uh, it just is the way it is. So, um, so we started looking at other protein sources and I did look at vegetarian sources, but I always found them lacking. Uh, especially when it looked when I looked at the amino acid profile, which is you know what protein is made of amino acids, mm -hmm. and you need to have um, you know essential amino acids uh, for the dog because they 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 can't get that any other way than through their food. So um, so as we were looking around, I had I saw this article that was from the UN. It was actually a study from the UN that said eating insects could be the answer to world hunger. Yes. And, you know, I thought about it for myself and I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm up for that. Or, but then I thought about my dogs and I was like, but I bet they are. <laughs> and so, so I ordered some crickets online. Uh, I ordered some roasted crickets, got them to my house and just started feeding them to my dogs to see what they would do. And the drool started. They were all in. They just loved it. So I was like, OK, this could work. <laughs> And, and then, you know, started diving in deeper, looking at the research that had been done and um, the, the profile of the, the cricket protein. And it, it, every time I dug deeper, it just got better and better. So, so that's how we got started. Wow. Can I ask you a question about dry roasted crickets versus everything's freeze dried these days and that's a hot commodity in the pet sector. Tell yeah. me, is there any value to freeze drying and can it be done with crickets? Well, actually, they already are drawing the crickets in a variety of different ways. Okay. And, and I don't think it matters as long as, um, you know, they're dried to the level that they need to be dried before they're, um, they're ground. Because when we're working with it, we're working with the powder. So mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a protein powder. But it's great because it, there's no waste. You use the entire animal. Um, and so it's, it's uh, extremely efficient from that perspective. And you get additional benefits because when you're grinding up the entire animal, you're also getting the exoskeleton, mm -hmm. which contains chitin, which is fiber. Yep. And that fiber, which I, I shared this with you earlier, but uh, we've done a study against that. Uh, and it, it turns out that it feeds the good bacteria in the dog's gut. It's prebiotic. It's prebiotic, right. Yeah. Yeah, got it. They did it first with people. Uh, so they, the study for, with people came out as I was planning the work that we were going to do for AFCO um, with the crickets. And so um, because we were seeing it in people, I was like, it's probably going to work the same way in the dogs. So we were able to incorporate it into the studies that we did. Is AFCO recognizing cr cricket protein? So the timing of this is great. Um, we just... We, we're going through a different process than many go through. So, uh, with the crickets, we decided to go through a grass process, and grass is generally recognized as safe. And one of the reasons we decided on that is because insects have been consumed and crickets have been consumed for thousands of years, and there's a body of evidence against that. Um, however, uh, in going through the grass process, you actually do all of the same work that you would do if you were going through the standard AFCO ingredient process, because either way you end up with a dossier, a complete dossier that has um, basically all the same studies uh, and, and same labs and all of that. 
So our grass panel convened and they found them crickets to be safe as an ingredient for, for dogs uh, in dog food. So um, super exciting. That's yeah. wonderful. That's a, it's a hell of a hurdle with AFCO to get through. It took us a couple years to do this. So um, actually probably more than a couple because <laughs> I started basically as soon as I came up with the idea, I started the process. I mean, I remember speaking with your husband a few years ago when you first came out with your treats, almost three years ago. Yeah. And he had mentioned the dog food. So um, that's it was dealing with AFCO is, is work. Well, and, and, you know, the food was always the objective because, you know, treats are great. You can get 10 to 20% of the dog's diet and you can make an impact with that. But once you get to food, you're 80 to 90% of their, what they're consuming. And so if we switch a dog from a chicken-based diet to a cricket-based diet, we save 480,000 gallons of water per year with just that one dog. That's massive. Yep, That's it really massive. is. And it's, it's the greenhouse gas uh, impact is even bigger, but it's just harder to like wrap your head around it. <laughs> it's easier to think gallons of water, you know? Absolutely. Where do you produce your products? So all in the U.S., um, different places for the different products, uh, because now we've got, you know, the food, the baked treats, and uh, the soft and chewies, uh, but it's all in the Midwest. <laughs> yep, got it. It's all in the U.S. And all your, your crickets, this is, um, that's a Our, lot of powder. That's it is a lot of powder, thousands of pounds of powder. <laughs> Yeah, and it's all North American sourced as well, mostly coming from Canada right now. Mm -hmm. um, but the grubs that we were talking about, at, yeah, uh, let's yeah, talk that's, about grubs. Yeah, what are they? I mean, please tell me what. So there's in your dog food, you have two. Uh, you have cricket crave and good grub. Yeah, two crave different crave. recipes, yep. two different insect proteins. So um, good grubs. Yeah, good grub is it's a different type of insect. However, um, it ha had been submitted to AFCA. And um, so we've been working all along with these uh, different manufacturers of different types of insect protein. And so we're, we're, um, we're basically tracking when they're ready to go. And they've done all of the work uh, to prove out that it's, you know, it's digestible, it, it has utility, uh, you know, all the things that you're looking for for the dogs. So the, the grubs were there. And so we decided, well, if we're gonna make the one recipe, let's make a second recipe and use that as well. And I'm so glad that we did because the dogs just love it. Um, we did, you know, we always do palatability testing. That, was, our, that was a big question because initially when your uh, treats came out a couple of years ago, I had a hell of a time selling them in my store. Palatability was an issue. Dogs would I mean, my dog ate poop, but he wouldn't eat cricket. I'm like, I would eat cricket. I have no problems eating. I, I was buying cricket protein, um, uh, protein bars a while ago, and I thought it was awesome, but my dog wouldn't touch it. So palatability is a big question for the consumer. Yep. And so we've worked really hard to get that right. And what is the right combination for the dogs? And, uh, you know, one of the first things we do always is acceptance testing. And you're trying to get above an 80, which is like the, the score that they say it, it's, it's passed. Well, 
we don't think that's good enough. We, we're trying to get above 95 because we need the dogs to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we need uh, the owners to see that the dogs love it. So um, with both of our foods, they are above 95 and the good grub actually scored a 98, which is wow. really amazing. Actually, our, our soft and chewy training treats have all scored 100. Good for so, you. Um, so we, I think we've really figured out palatability, which is really exciting. Yeah. There's a lot of vegans and vegetarians out there who have chosen to feed their animals a vegan diet, their dogs. I hope they don't yeah. do this with their cats. I'm always, I'm easily agitated when it comes to vegans feeding their cats a, a non uh, animal based diet. So, uh, with, with dogs, even not getting the essential amino acids that they need is a problem for longevity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, your product can, I'm hoping that is a market that can look at your product as a positive and utilize it without, you know, reducing the impact on the earth sustainability. Can you talk about, um, how you approach that sector? Sure, sure. Yeah. And for the most part, vegans and vegetarians love our product um, because to them, you know, it, it is more humane. The, the, actually, even, even the crickets get to live 80% of their natural life the way that they're raised and uh, harvested. They actually fulfill their purpose in life, <laughs> which is basically to, to mate and lay eggs. But um, but there are some vegans who are um, very strict mm-hmm. and they, you know, they don't condone killing anything. Uh, right. Even an insect that's at the end of its life, that's, um, they're not okay with that. And that's fine. I mean, those people are going to make their own choices. Um, I think for the dogs though, uh, you know, I, I don't, love a vegan diet for the dogs. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of um, problems that could arise because it is hard to get those amino acids right. And if you don't get it right, that causes problems. And we've seen that with DCM. I mean, the fact that like some of those recipes, um, the grain-free recipes had too much pea protein, mm-hmm. which is myth- missing methionine and cysteine. And right. the dog's body needs those two amino acids in order to make taurine. And right. so then they were pointing at taurine. And so, you know, it's, it, it can become a house of cards if you don't do it right. Mm-hmm. So we, we've been very careful in what we do. The great news about the, the, the insect protein is that it is an animal. And so it has all of those uh, essential amino acids. And I shared with you some of the, the images of the, the graphs against the AFCO standards. It's amazing. These mm-hmm these little tiny animals really deliver. Uh, they pack a punch. They do. Uh, yeah, and, then, and it goes beyond just the amino acids. It's not just protein. Um, you know, it, it's the, the fatty acids and uh, the omegas. And then also, you know, it's got the choline and it's got vitamin B and, you know, all this stuff that you're like, wow, really is a superfood. It is a superfood, but now let's look at your ingredient panel. Um, you're marketing this as being a, I shouldn't say it that way. This could be construed as being a hypoallergenic diet, correct? Yes. However, 
if the intolerance or the allergy is to the protein and everything is protein. So um, you use potato protein uh, and in um, your cricket crave, you have peas, um, chickpeas, brown rice. So this is not a, it's not a limited ingredient diet. That's what I want to get across because limited ingredients are yeah. single protein, single carbohydrate. You have a variety of ingredients here. So if an animal is essentially intolerant to a specific protein, be chicken or beef or fish, this could be an alternative, but not necessarily oats or quinoa or rice because yeah. those are in your ingredient panel. Yeah, and it depends on the dog. Um, what we did is we've put together what we believe is an ingredient panel that is put together in a way that's smart. Um, we don't lean on one ingredient heavily, which I think is where you end up with problems. Mm -hmm. um, so see, like when we are using vegetable proteins and when we are using um, grains, and we, we do believe in using grains, so, but we use good grains. I mean, the grains that you see there are oats, Oats are my favorite, and you'll see oats in a bunch of our different uh, products, mm -hmm. quinoa, um, and then brown rice. And what we've seen is that most dogs don't have issues with those things, if, but you have to always read the ingredient panel. If you have a dog who has like whatever the issue is, your vet is going to give you recommendations on what or what not they, you know, they're supposed to have, and you need to read ingredients. <laughs> so, um, so we try to help. We get a lot of questions. Oh, my dog has this, or my dog has that, uh, and we try to, you know, give them guidance. But we always like direct them back to their vet <laughs> because, you know, it's, each dog is so unique. You just really don't know. But the vets are very connected to specific brands that they have learned um that, that they've gotten their education from so this might not even be they might say hey go ahead try it because mm -hmm. it is truly different and it contains those grains that they are they have some familiarity with but not necessarily um might not be a good path for everybody going to the vets it might confuse the process even more yeah I, it, it is, is difficult for it when it comes to pet owners we're what we're doing is putting all of the information out there and we're being really upfront about this is what's in it. Um, and we, we put every ingredient in for a reason. Um, and like I said, nothing, we don't lean heavily on any one ingredient. And the other thing is, I don't believe that like peas are the devil. <laughs> so there's a lot of, um, you know, we, we do get a lot of questions about it and we're like, you know, no, they're, they're, they're a perfectly fine ingredient, but you can't use it over 30 or 40%, then it's, then it's a problem. But if you use it at a 10% level, it, it brings benefit. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what, what I look at, and that's what we explain when people ask us questions about, about the product. What we have found, though, is that um, those that are, are using it are telling us that their dogs are doing great. Great. Um, so that's fantastic. And, you know, the prebiotic uh, benefits are, are really um, it's people who have dogs with allergies and then people who have dogs who have gut health issues. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's going to be a really good solve for them. Can you talk about your work with Animal Biome now that we're on the gut health? 
I love those guys. <laughs> I met Holly, who's, uh, she's the founder and chief science officer at an event. And she and I were just chatting and somehow we realized that we could work together. And, and it, it also helps that she's the next town over from me. So we're neighbors. <laughs> makes it easy. It makes it really great. But um, I met her right before we were starting the digestibility work with the cricket protein for the dogs. Mm -hmm. So we were able to actually design in an initial gut health study. And that's been peer reviewed and published at this point. Wonderful. Um, really exciting. And um, I never thought I'd be, I, I'm included as an author. It's really funny. I never thought that I'd be on science papers. <laughs> but, um, and that is did. so important. The peer reviewed aspect is so key. And that's oh, what yeah. consumers don't get. You can't go on Facebook and take comments and think that they're reality. Sorry. That is not reality. We need peer-reviewed studies. That's why I'm asking you about this. I think it's a oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's all peer-reviewed, um, and and there's a lot of back and forth when you do a peer-reviewed study. Um, that it's it's kind of incredible how much back and forth and how much effort these people put in in their review. Uh, I'm really impressed. I've been through it now twice, um, and it's it's intense and but very very cool. Now we've worked now with Animal Biome though beyond that. Um, we also, when we first came out with Cricket Crave, this is like six months before we were ready to put it into market. Uh, we fed, we had some dogs and we were feeding them the Cricket Crave. And at the end of the six months, we did a, uh, a gut health review through Animal Biome. Mm -hmm. We just ordered their kits to see what their, their gut health looked like. Of course- and that's by testing their poop. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's a DNA test of the poop, which is really interesting. It's very accurate. Yes. And the results were fantastic. You're looking for um, balance and um, you, you actually want a lot of types of bacteria in the dog's gut. That, that's what a healthy dog looks like. And uh, the results were fantastic. And, uh, and it also pointed at some additional benefits that we're going to be testing into the future on, on the, uh, the cricket protein. So uh, it's, it's pretty exciting doing that kind of work. And then as we, we did this with Holly, it turns out my dogs are so incredibly healthy that they've been recruited to be, um, to be donors. Ooh, so, donors. That's so exciting. Donors. <laughs> and one of my dogs is a great Dane. So he's their, he's their biggest producer. He's a donor. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, it's really funny. It's really funny. Oh, man. It's, that's it's their awesome. side hustle. <laughs> and you got, your dog's got a job out of this. I love it. Yeah. I, well, I, mean, I love that they're that healthy, you know? That's wonderful. Let's talk about... Also using our treats um, when they have dogs because... What they've got is uh, what they call, um, they're calling it a poo biotic, but it's really, it's a probiotic. <laughs> and, oh, but yeah, the general, their general poo biotic. Yeah, their general yeah. is one that's not specific for an animal's specific issues. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it basically is seeding the gut, but mm -hmm. our, then they use our treats and now our food to feed the gut. So this seed is specific and feed. to the canine only. This is for dogs only, not cats. 
Right. Animal biome does do work with cats, but we're just talking about the, the dogs at this point. Your food is only dog specific. Yeah, at this point. Yes. If you need tasters when you get to cats, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you bake your food. Tell me about baked versus extruded, um, why you chose that path and what the differences are for you. Yeah, um, what I, I like about there's there actually there's quite a few things that I like about baking. Um, first, the temperature doesn't get as high as extruded, and so you know you, you're not killing the nutrients as you're as you're baking it. Um, the other thing that I love about it uh, is that there's less waste. When you're working with extrusion, there's this period where you're dialing in the extruder. And mm -hmm. it goes through thousands of pounds of food that are wasted at the beginning. And it's so counter to everything that we do because we're, you know, we're the sustainable company. I don't want waste. Um, I try to reduce shipping. I try to, you know, we, we're trying to do the right thing wherever we can. Mm -hmm. um, and that extrusion process just was, it was crazy wasteful from my perspective. And then the third reason is that the dogs really like a baked kibble. It's a little softer. Um, the palatability is great. They just they just like it. They I know with a lot of extruded items, there's a lot of palatins sprayed on the foods. Yep. You don't have to go through that with your process. No, we don't do that. Very important. And I want to be clear. This is a kibble. It's it is a kibble. Hand product. It's a kibble, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of anti-kibble out there. Raw feeders claim they're against kibble. It's just, look, there's all different ways of feeding your animals and certain conveniences are necessary or we're accustomed to. Sustainability is a real important factor here and mm -hmm. quality and palatability go hand in hand. So for me, getting the information out there so the consumer can make the right choice for themselves mm -hmm. and the retailers can choose and understand because they're the ones who are going to be putting your product out there and talking about it. If they don't get it, they're not going to be able to direct their customers to your brand. If you had the ability to just sit there and tell your the retailers why your food will impact the well-being of animals or how they can sell it to the consumer, what they can do to get the consumer to pick up that bag and give it a try, what would it be? Well, you know, we, we do a lot of training with our retailers and one of the things that we've shared with them is there are actually two types of consumers that are the early adopters. And um, the first is, are people who have a problem with their dog. It's either an allergy or a gut health problem and they're looking for a solution. And our product is likely a good fit for those people. The second, in fact, we found that, um, actually, uh, let me take a step back. How we found these two different types of consumers, we were kind of looking at, uh, we were doing social listening, basically. What were people saying about our product? And why were they there? And half of them were there because their dog had a problem, and the other half were there because they cared deeply about the environment, and they were buying e basically looking for eco-friendly products. 
And so that's the second group. So anybody who um, cares about sustainability, uh, cares about the humane and ethical treatment of the animals, they're going to be a likely candidate as well. And the great news is, is that second group, squarely uh, millennials fit right into it. So the new pet owners really care deeply uh, about this. So, so we've got um, a, a lot of different types of consumers that this is gonna make sense for. Um, and you know, when, when we start to work with a retailer, we do offer up all of this material on the product. And, and it's, it's done in such a way that they can have it out in the store and share it with the consumer. And it's really taking it through, it's delicious, it's nutritious, sustainable, humane, hypoallergenic. You know, it's all those different pieces and talking about what, why and what do we mean by that. And now we're actually doing videos as well. And they're really designed as training for the staff, but they double as a way to, to educate consumers as well. Great, so you are going direct to the consumer. Very key, a lot of companies miss that. Oh, absolutely. Um, when, we, when we did the work understanding who those consumers were, part of it was understanding how do we engage with them? Because we wanted to have a dialogue with those consumers. And part of that is offering up content that matters to them. Mm -hmm. Some of it's just fun, but a lot of it is um, education. So we've got, um, we've got a variety of different videos at this point that we're starting to put into a content hub. We've got uh, conversations with Holly from Animal Biome. We have um, training sessions with Ian Dunbar, who's one of our advisors, mm -hmm. uh, showing how to use the training treats uh, to work with your dog when you first bring it into the home. Mm -hmm. um, or, or if you finally decide that you've had enough and you want to train your dog. <laughs> a lot of times when you make that decision. <laughs> um, but, but it goes beyond that, uh, going into the nutrition, um, so talking with vets. So there, there's a lot of components to this. And, and we're actually, we're contemplating right now putting it into a, almost like a virtual trade show booth because yeah, we're not sure mm -hmm. yeah, yeah we're not sure if we're ever going to be back in those kind of trade show settings where you had a chance to talk to those retailers i've sent a message to the super zoo guys sort of laying it out saying look we're a small team i can't afford anybody getting sick i would never want anybody to get sick number two i think the big retailers will probably not show because they'll be worried about their people yeah, and number I three I think the small retailers don't have the funds to do it right now. Especially if there's no one coming to buy. Who, yeah. who are they selling to? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing for the, um, the SuperZoo uh, board members. I give them a lot of credit for even putting it out there. Beyond that, I don't know. Um, can I ask you this? What, what, let's go back to your food, because I love it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what percentage of the protein is coming from the crickets? Well, it, it depends on which recipe you're looking at, whether it's the good grub or the cricket. Let's look at both. Cricket crave. Mm -hmm. So cricket crave, it's, it's, a, it's a lower amount. Um, we're just, we're over 10%, between 10 and 16%. And on the, um, the good grub, it's actually higher. It's, it's closer to 30%. 
Preserving. So, Preserving? Yeah, I mean, just, you okay. know, for the overall, yeah. Okay. So kind of, since it's kibble, no matter what you give, it's going to be the same percentage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good grub is 30%, which is a really, that's a great number. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that, and you know, just to be really open with you is um, it's a cost base too. So um, cricket protein is extremely expensive. Now let's talk about the cost of what it, what it takes yeah. to make this. And yes, I understand it's sustainable. What are the cost factors here? And what does it cost for the end consumer? Well, ultimately it will be less expensive. Um, and I'll say that up front. And, mm -hmm. and the reason we know that uh, it will be less expensive ultimately is because of the conversion ratio. And conversion ratio is like, how much do you have to feed that animal in order to get a pound of protein out? Yeah. And that conversion ratio is good on the insect protein. It's better than, uh, better than beef, better than chicken, better. It's, it's just good. So ultimately it will be less expensive, but right now, because we're com competing with factory farms who are subsidized, yep. um, that the true cost of, of beef or chicken is not really represented. Uh, in what you're paying for it. So, um, and because this is a young industry, it is represented <laughs> in what we're doing. So, um, so over time though, you know, we'll learn more about, you know, how to do it at um, more efficiently and more, you know, at, at scale. And that'll help bring those costs down. But, um, but you know, it takes a little bit of time. So we're so hoping, Go ahead. Um, the, the video first. So what is your suggested retail price right now for the grub, the good grub? Um, good grub is for a three and a half pound is $16.95 and for Cricut Crave is $21.95. So it's, it's, it's not bad. It's not terrible. We've really, um, We've done our best to get it in the right range. Where are those though for the retailers? Where are the retailers coming in on the margins here? Because that's always the worry, especially in areas where it's so expensive to have stores like New York. Um, yeah, we, well, we factored in what we knew to be um, the, the, the margin that they were looking for. So we really did, you know, you know, I consulted my advisor friends on, you know, what do I need to look at as far as margins and, you know, cause you have to factor in distributor margins and store margins and, you know, basically everybody needs to make a nickel along the way. Right. Uh, so we took that into account and, uh, and this is what we ended up with. And, and I think, you know, we've done a, a good job at getting it into that price range that puts it with other premium products. Mm -hmm. So it's not, um, it's not the most expensive product in the store, but, um, but it is still, it's still, ex it's a premium product. So, and, and we know it's not that. an expensive number. I mean, 1695 for a three and a half pound bag, it's just essentially the norm in New York city anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It really is for a quality product. Very, yep. um, and we really wanted to make sure that it, we, we had it priced at such a, you know, in such a way that people could try it. Because I think they're going to love it. And the other thing that we've done is, um, you know, coming back to the content, we've done um, 
a lot of work around blog posts and, and helping people think about how could I incorporate this into my dog's diet? Because maybe I can just start to reduce their carbon paw print, you know, and I can start by, by adding it as a topper, using it as a treat. Um, in, cause, and it's great as a treat because it's complete and balanced, mm -hmm. uh, rotating it in. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to incorporate it in and start to reduce your carbon paw print without making a complete switch initially. It's a great way for retailers to get their customers to give it a try. Absolutely. And, and think about how great it is that your dog would get these different nutrients. Mm -hmm. even, even if you're just doing it as a topper, um, you're, you're putting something new into their diet that's going to have tremendous benefit that they're absolutely not getting from what you're giving them today. Absolutely. The reduced waste, the chitin, um, your work with animal biome is really important here. I, I believe, I think that's really key for consumers to understand that digestibility is a huge factor and mm -hmm. getting all the essential amino acids, you're getting it from this food. So, um, incorporating it into the diet, especially if they're on a, on a diet that's made from chicken feathers versus I had to go there. I um, know it's such crazy <laughs> stuff that's going on right now. <laughs> Lots of brands use just chicken feathers and call it chicken. How, so, how funny am I? I'm saying it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's freaking protein. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> And fly larvae, I mean, dried black soldier fly, fly larvae. That is crazy. I love this. Yeah, and actually, and there's some more uh, insect proteins that are coming down the pike. There's over 1,900 edible insects. Um, and, and, you know, the, there's so many different types of insects in the world. But there's, uh, there's several other types that are being farmed uh, uh -huh. that are coming down the pike that I think have great benefit. I love mealworm. It's got more fat. It'll be great for puppies. Right. So, so I think there's some other ones that we'll end up uh, incorporating in over time. Do you think that could be something, especially the mealworm, that could be used for the uh, felines of the world? I think, I mean, that's actually, such a all of them, yeah. all of them will be great for feline. And talk about biologically appropriate. I mean, I, my cats would love to eat bugs, and whenever they see, see one, it's, you know, hell has risen and they, they are going to go for it and bring it to me once they've killed it. So I know the ultimate would be if I could make a food that moved. <laughs> Get oh, them yeah. Come on. That's interesting. Can we talk about that? I want to be a part of that. <laughs> Definitely want to be a part of that. Um, wow. So let's, let me see where, is there anything else that you want the audience to know? Um, one thing that comes up a lot, and I think it's worth saying, is that this is very safe. Um, basically, insects are raised in clean indoor farms, and they're found to be free of the common pathogens that plague the meat industry. Uh, there's no E. coli staph, you know, all, all those different things that you see, um, salmonella, that have been problems. It just doesn't happen with these uh, with the insects. It's a different type of animal. They have a different type of poop. They don't have the same issues. The other thing is, um, you know, as we think about the future, I think more and more people are thinking about where their food comes from. Mm 
you know, uh, this pandemic has, has actually, I think, opened a lot of people's eyes. And um, we're actually seeing it. We're seeing a lot more uh, engagement than we ever did before and excitement about what we're doing. And uh, I think that's wonderful because this, this truly is a sustainable alternative for the future. Um, we, are, we are the future of food. I think you're gonna see, you know, we're gonna see a lot more plant-based um, options, uh, but we're gonna see a lot of this as well when you really need the complete amino acids, this is gonna be the go-to. Is there a canned or a wet line that is in the works? That is a plan, one of the plans for the future. That and um, we've got some more treats coming and then uh, also cat. And cat, I put it off because, you know, I, I worked in the pet industry and cats are tricky. It's <laughs> not, cats. That's my fun place. Yeah. Oh, it, they're great. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I love all animals and I would love to have that cat food right now, but it's, it's not just taste. No. It's texture. It's shape. It, it's funny how many things matter to them in palatability. Yeah, so and, and if tricky. we can get the dry out of cat, that would be the best way because they require moisture and we have right. really destroyed their well-being. And gut bacteria, first place. Um, mm -hmm. Moisture, gut bacteria, we, we really need to jump on that with the felines. We're missing out on the cat world. We're, we're causing sickness and disease throughout yeah. the world of felines. And it's a shame for the pet industry to be consistently doing that with the crap foods on the market. Yeah, I, th I think there's going to be a great op opportunity there, and we're, our plan is to, to do it within the next year. Okay. Well, we will keep talking because you are getting me all excited. About <laughs> um, and this was an amazing conversation. You have been enlightening, and I want the world to know about Jiminy's. I just love the name. That's the other thing. I love the name <laughs> from my era. Um, Distributors, you have Jumphead in, in the on the East Coast, right? On the Northeast. Yeah, we've you actually get your stuff. We're we're in a, a, a we've got a nice uh, network of distributors now across the country. Great. Uh, independent pet supply in the Pacific Northwest, Southeast Pest down in um, the Florida and Georgia area, mm -hmm. Alamo uh, now in Texas, mm -hmm. um, Wigglebutt in Colorado. Um, let's see, you said generation, right? Uh, we also have um, general in mm -hmm. the Midwest. Great. So, so uh, it's, been, it's been exciting uh, moving into all of those distributors and, and you know, having a little bit more uh, ability to get the product out there. It's, it's, it's just been such a, a wild ride growing this business. I just want the retailers to know, because I think the consumers are going to start asking, just like you said, the interest is there. Yep. And with what's happening with the CAFOs and how they're treating the animals and euthanizing and what's happening with the meat industry, if mm -hmm. awareness is not at a heightened, in a heightened space right now, um, it should be. And we need to jump on this and make some adjustments. And if we could start with our dogs, why not? And it's a, it's a great place to start. The dogs, they're all in. They don't overthink this. <laughs> <laughs> We're the overthinkers. <laughs> and thank you so much for doing this. 
I think you have a great product. And uh, even though I am not a kibble maniac, I think this is a beautiful start to for for consumers for pet owners who can who can combine um sustainable sustainability um good gut bacteria good gut biome and uh help the environment and you know make the world a little better place thanks kaz really appreciate it thank you